Football is back and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning and inability to smile. An expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Hey, on today's episode of The Mismatch, Chris Vernon and I recorded before news dropped that the Indiana Pacers are potentially rebuilding. They're looking to trade Karis LeVert and DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner, according to the athletic Sham Sharania. Chris and I did not talk about that on Tuesday's show, but we will on Friday. Also, an announcement. On Wednesday, I'm hosting a podcast called The Void. We're turning my video series into a podcast, and it's going to run every single Wednesday on this Mismatch podcast feed that you're listening to now. Chris and I talk about that more at the end of this show. So let's get to today's episode. Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Palmer, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin! Verno! What's up this Tuesday? Hey, man. Uh, well, NBA is in full swing, and unfortunately, we have a string of COVID announcements that have yeah, taken place since we last spoke. You know, Hopeful that, especially as the the vaccination numbers were so high, that may be a little bit out of the woods on this. But just as of right now, you have LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Ish Smith, Mason Plumley, Jalen McDaniels, all from the Hornets, DeMar DeRozan, Kobe White, Javante Green from the Bulls, Bull Bull, Austin River or Austin Rivers, yeah, and uh, Bones Highland from the Nuggets. Justin Holiday from the Pacers. I mean, pretty high number, honestly, Kevin. Yeah, and, it is. You know, it's it's very hard to j- gauge some of these teams and some of these games. We've had 
a slew of injuries. So guys are in and out of lineups. And now with the COVID thing, you got guys in and out. Even despite that, you have last night um, Philly playing the thriller against that Charlotte team and Embiid with a season-high 43. And so the games are still going on and guys still have to perform. And it was nice to see the best of Joel Embiid. I mean, both ends, too. I mean, huge block uh, when it mattered most. And, you know, Embiid, who had a really, really rough go with, uh, with COVID and coming back from it, it's good to see him getting back into Joel Embiid, one of the best players in the league form. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just first on the COVID stuff, it's too bad. Um, You know, the vaccines don't necessarily stop transmission. Um, Mm -hmm. There wasn't an expectation of that necessarily. But, you know, for the NBA, it's in all sports, it's still something just dealing with here. But ultimately, they do stop serious, you know, illness for the most part, in most cases. And for Joel Embiid, he did say he was affected by it and still dealing with it when he first got back in the court. But bam, you, you wouldn't have known it watching him against Charlotte, Chris, uh, in that game last night. Granted, it was against a Hornets team missing a lot of guys, missing, yeah. you know, yeah. starters, uh, missing size. But for Joel Embiid, you know, he also had a great game against Atlanta. Um, but he had he didn't look better in quite a while. Maybe Minnesota, uh, was it a couple weeks ago against Minnesota? Yep. He had a really good game. Um, but Joel Embiid looked more like more and more like himself, the dominant two-way force that he is. Yeah, and then one of the names that I uh, passed over when I was going through that list is the guy who has been, I think, one of the top two or three stories of the NBA this year, which is the free agent signing of DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. And then his performance. And he was coming off a, like a six-game stretch where he's averaging over 30 points a game. Bulls humming along. You know, look like a home court advantage team in the Eastern Conference. Wins Eastern Conference Player of the Week yesterday. It's announced, he and, and Donovan Mitchell in their respective conferences. And then it's announced that he's entered COVID protocol. And the, the Bulls were still able to win uh, without him against the Nuggets. But it just sucks, man. It sucks because all of these teams, you know, with the I, – I, I guess I'm just struck, Kev, by there is such a small margin between these teams that the majority of them, their seed is going to be decided by two or three games. And that could be the difference between drawing – an epic opponent in the first round and going home early or drawing somebody that is intensely beatable um, and being able to move on and 10 days or two weeks, whatever it may be, or this length of time for even say Charlotte without their guys could really cost teams at, at least playoff seed. Sure. And at worst, the playoffs or the play in completely, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah. why this, that's why this is so significant because it, the margin is so small. A lot of times in many years, you, if you had a couple, if you had a two week stretch where you didn't do so hot, you could overcome that this year. I mean, it's going to be very difficult to overcome simply because the margin is just so small between these teams. Yeah, I mean, so in, in the East, the, the difference between the Nets at one and the Knicks at 11 is only five games. Yeah. It's really tight right now. 
I mean, to your point, Chris, like, like we see how the, the dramatic difference in teams with just without one guy. Um, it, it makes depth during the regular season of the utmost importance to have the ability to replace somebody. But come playoff time, I wonder if in this kind of world that we all have to navigate in right now, if at that point, like, te- you're just not going out. You're not going out to restaurants. You're not going out to dinners. Uh, if you're a team, you're not doing anything that risks you know, being around groups of people at all, like like some players might be during the regular season, like anybody is, you know, living their life after getting vaccinated. Uh, but maybe during the playoffs, it has to go back to the way it was, you know, last year for a lot of players where you're kind of living in your own bubble to avoid yeah. transmission. Because if you, if you get a positive diagnosis, and even if it's a false positive like LeBron James, you might miss an important game three. Uh, and if it turns out that it is indeed a positive diagnosis with or without feeling any symptoms, you get to miss time until you get those two negative tests and you can miss an entire playoff series and that could change everything. So it's like this brand new variable um, that teams are still having to account for and depth, having depth or guys that can elevate their their roles in a specific way. Like for Chicago, you're talking about scoring. Somebody who can take on more of a scoring load. Levine would have to do more. Um, But it's really hard to replace even role players, never mind star players. I do think that speaks to Chicago and the job they've done. Yes, they did sign DeRozan, but you've had Caruso's been banged up too, who has been essential to their success uh, throughout the early season. And so to still be able to get wins despite missing a couple of extremely important guys at any point, is certainly impressive. And that leads to this Memphis team who now has won five games in a row since losing their best player. Now, it wasn't wild, to COVID. It, it was to a knee injury. So it wasn't to COVID. But they not only have they won five games in a row, they have never been behind. How is that possible, Chris? Any of the games. How is that well, possible? I, well, I'll tell you this. How about this one? You ready for this, Kev? Last night? So it was never been tied or behind. Last night, the Grizzlies-Miami score was 2-2. Two to two. Oh, wow. That's when it was tied. Really? That's yes. it? And then from then on. So they oh, have wow. been, so, so it was, they had not, so now the stat moved to they have not surrendered the lead. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, they have not surrendered the lead. But I will tell you, it was 2-2. Two to two. You, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta give... This is a weird stat. I saw at Grizz Analytics tweet this out. Yep. This is you got to give Stephen Adams some credit for this. Stephen Adams has won an NBA best twenty four jump balls in twenty nine opportunities this season, and he has a nine game streak of winning the opening tip for the Grizzlies. So, oh. so Adams is winning Let jump balls. You, look now, I don't want all the books to catch up to this, uh, but oh, I should have. Oh, really? No, no, no. I know I should have mentioned this yeah. uh, last week. I had a guy run up on me at the Uh Grizzly game, and here's what he told me. He said, Steven Adams wins every jump ball. Okay? So you go look (laughs) it up. He does lead the league. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So on these gambling sites, you can bet first basket of the game. So Desmond Bain, on many cases, was like, say, like a plus 800 or a plus 600 or Dylan Brooks. And so what these guys were doing that I ran up on, they were spraying the board with the Grizzlies, <laughs> and you win like hell because they score the first uh, bat. Like you get these long odds, but 
if he wins every jump ball, <laughs> yeah. you're going to at least get yeah. first crack at it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get like, pretty good odds. Pretty good if odds. You, yeah. If you get the ball first, <laughs> that's a major advantage. Of course. And then, so some of these guys have been betting like Desmond Bain, who had had these big first quarters mm-hmm. or whatever. And and so there's a little trick, and I don't know if the lines have evened out now. Maybe mm. the world is going to catch on to it. But not only Steven Adams, he's also – Anchoring a defense, which I believe I read this morning, it's the first time in the last two seasons that a team has held their opponent under 91 points or under in four straight games. That's, now, that's these insane. Are some wild stats, man. They what? were the <laughs> worst defensive player. They were the worst defensive team in the league. They were 30th. 30th. Yeah, this season, this year at one point. They were they were a like, week and a half yeah, ago. Exactly. <laughs> they got beat by Minnesota by 40 friggin' yeah. points. They couldn't stop anybody. <sighs> and then they have flipped it. Now they have, in fairness, they played Toronto at Toronto without uh, you know, Gary Trent Jr. was out for that game. And then they played Sacramento, uh, who was down a couple guys. They were down Harrison Barnes. They were down another. They're yeah, obviously course, they beat OKC yeah. by 73. And then Jimmy Butler has absolutely, he tried to play last night. He had no business on a basketball court. For anybody that saw him, and he ended up like in the third quarter. I mean, he was, he took a fall and I guess he fell on probably on that tailbone, but he was limping around the court. Mm, that's and not then good he just, for Miami. And then he sat down, well, especially because Adebayo is going to be out until, you know, at least mid-January. And Butler's been an all-NBA guy this year. I mean, he's he's been terrific. And, and, well, look, we all chalked up the the, the, – last night was actually the very impressive one because it's on the road against Miami. Miami still has a sore spot. They drilled the Grizzlies earlier this year because Morant hit a game winner over Jimmy Butler last year and did this whole – call call 12 thing where he put mm. the phone up to his ear and celebration. So they came to Memphis earlier this year and beat him by a thousand. And I think there was a, a, even though they said Jimmy Butler was questionable, everybody was like, he is not missing that game because he was barking at Dylan Brooks in the first one, <laughs> telling the bench to get him off of him. He can't guard me. And I, I mean, they had, they had a little, they, they have a little beef, but, the biggest thing is you take a very young team and after they win at Dallas, they go and it's a Sunday night that they're off in Miami. And then they turn around and they're playing Miami on a Monday. Like, let's just say, I chalked that one up as a schedule loss. <laughs> I mean, you got a bunch of 22-year-old millionaires and they get to go hang out in Miami the one time that they get to go down there and it happens to be a Sunday night. Like, probably not going to get the best effort the next night. Instead, I mean, they held Miami to under 91 and they they win again. And speaking of the whole, you can go on a little run, they won five games. They're the friggin' four seed right now. Chris, is their defense goes from 30th until November 28th when the five-game winning streak starts to first since November 28th. <laughs> um, is, is there anything different that's happening for, for Memphis to, to go from Worst to first in defensive rating. Granted, it's a small stretch of games. It's still staying five fr- straight games. Staying in front of people, communication. Um, they have had some guys out there playing Zaire Williams a ton, and he's been out uh, for some amount of time. And, and again, that's not a knock on him. It's just it's hard to play 
rookies and you have you have guys that have played together, communicate. They had gotten a little better defensively when Dylan Brooks came back anyway. Um, and I do think that, you know, after a while, it kind of takes time to figure out everybody's role. And certainly that front court of Adams and Jackson can be devastating defensively. Yeah, Jackson's had some really un- unbelievable moments on defense this year, especially yes. defending yes. on the perimeter. I mean, well, he, he can move laterally for a big... Adams gives Jackson the ability to do the Giannis thing sometimes, which is help. Rome a little bit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, help. And so, uh, you know, they've been uh, part of its opponent, too. Come on. And, of course. And, of course. Well, part of it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and here's the major thing. And this is the ultimate regression to the mean. If you looked, yes, they had the worst defense in the league. They were also dead last in opponent three-point percentage. Teams were shooting mid 40% against them mm. for the season. Yeah. And now nobody can make an open shot. So, and some of those shots are there still, right? But everybody made everything against them for the first month of the season. Like, you didn't catch any breaks. Even if your defense broke down, they still just made the shots. And for teams as a team to be shooting like, 43% from three, there was inevitably going to be some regression to that. But it does play a part. They were shooting first, you know, 19 games until November 28th, like I said. Teams were shooting 40.7%. That's unbelievable. From three against Memphis. As 40, a team. Yeah, as a team. 40. Not one 7. guy. Yeah. And, and not just one team, but 19 games. Well, <laughs> You're shooting team, over 40%. And by the way, teams wow. shoot like 43s a game. Yeah. So when you're running up against that and everybody's hitting 40%, you're dead. It, it's, you know what I mean? it's a little bit of opponents they're facing now. It's probably a little bit of, you know, effort and communication's yeah, yeah, yeah. better. It's a lot of factors, but um, boy, Just, <laughs> it's also three-point shooting because now teams are shooting 27.7% against Memphis over the last yeah. five games. The reality is that they're not the worst defense in the league. Exactly. They're not the best defense in the league. They're probably somewhere in the middle. Probably somewhere in the yeah. middle. And when but you get job back playing at an MVP level, that that's fine for where this team is in their in their trajectory well, right now. Well, and I'm going to speak to this because they are fourth right now in the Western Conference standings. And I think that, while I'd love to tell you that says everything about Memphis, they went on a five-game run, and now they're fourth. It Everything can change so drastically within a week. I do think this is what it speaks of. There's three really good teams in the West, Kev. Mm. There is. There's three really good ones. And then the rest are fighting. I really believe that. Mm. You've got you've got Golden State, you've got Phoenix, and you've got Utah. I think that's very, very and, fair, Chris. And then there's everybody else. Yeah. And so it's just gonna matter on who can who can play well, who can hit a run. And their win before Miami, when you were talking about all of these teams having to make it with depth. And Memphis is a great example of making it with depth, given that they're winning without their best player. I watched Dallas without Doncic. Their numbers without Doncic have been atrocious, but they're without Doncic and they're without Porzingis. And it does expose, you know, what they've done. Now, now Desmond Bain had 29 against them and said, they had the 18th pick in the draft. And they said, they li- said they liked me. He said, I don't think Josh Green played tonight. That was something Damn. else. That's tough. That's tough. I love some good trash talk. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. 
uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. And because Luca covers everything up, right? I, I guess it just never dawned on me until I'm watching that game. And I'm sorry, Mavs fans, because I'm sure this has been a long-time topic that you've groused about forever. Their draft history is abominable. Yeah, they, they've had and a, lot, I'm of talking whiff, like, a lot, lot of whiffs, Chris. I'm talking 20 years of it. Like, 20 years? <laughs> just, you go up and down their draft classes, and it's just incredible. DeLuca is obviously the, you know, the one, clearly, since since Dirk, really. I mean, they had like a Josh, I think Josh Howard made an all-star team. They drafted him the back half. Now, they haven't had a, they traded a lot of picks and they haven't had a lot of high picks, but my God. I mean, and it just goes to show that when you have your best player out, kind of what else do you have? And especially in the absence of Porzingis, there's just, there is not much there. And I don't know the path, you know, in order to getting, to getting more, but it's like Jalen Brunson. In recent years, was a good one. Um, not much, you know. It's no, unbelievable. It's, it's like it's like stuff from the nineties, like J Kid. You know, it's, it's, it's stuff from the nineties. Thirty years ago, really yeah. I know. Thirty years I ago. Know. I mean, and then you have the tractor trailer for Dirk trade, which was amazing, of course. Right? Yeah, and then you have the trade for Luca trade, which is great. But I mean, that's in a long period of time. But you win so much. And you have so many 50-win seasons that it just covers it up. I mean, I covered a team just like this, right? They had seven straight playoff appearances and screwed up the draft for 10 years, and it wasn't as big a deal because the team was good. But when you see now, and now you have the whole build-around-Luka thing, which is their charge to do. And it just, when you see it without him, it's shocking. Yeah. You realize what he brings to the table, right? Yeah, I mean, I think for Dallas, you bringing up their picks is interesting because I think that year with Josh Green and Tyrell Terry, in theory, those picks made sense. I mean, with Terry, there's some other factors that are influencing his career in a negative way, non-basketball stuff. But with with, uh, Josh Green, it just hasn't worked out. I mean, he came in as a raw player, but in theory, it made sense with him as a... 3 and D guy who could hit spot out threes and defend multiple positions. But in hindsight, drafting the more sure thing in Desmond Bain would have been the way to go. Because with Desmond Bain, you could say all the same things like, look, everybody, everybody on NBA draft Twitter liked Desmond Bain. Because, everybody. Because everybody. Because Desmond Bain was so obviously going to be at least a quality rotation guy. It turns out he could be much, much more than a quality rotation guy. It turns out that he maybe he's not an all-star. 
but he's one of those guys who's competing for you night in, night out, influencing winning with his ability to make plays all over the court on both ends of the court. I mean, Desmond Bain, what 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 are what is a what does your son think about Desmond Bain? Like oh what what God. what do kids Look, think about Desmond Bain? They love Desmond Bain because and, and here's the thing, they development wise, he played point guard for the summer league team. You know, they gave him the ball. They they did. And well, at TCU, he could handle, but he's gotten even better, like more skilled with his dribbling. Oh, he now makes a ton of plays going to the basket, yeah. dunking, cutting. Um, he's gotten more athletic. Yes. Than, I mean, and, he, he and, was, but he's gotten even better at all those things. And a much and a much better ball handler. Yes. Much better ball handler who can initiate offense. He, you was, know? he was more I mean, straight lines at TCU. He's like doing yep. like some hezzies, yeah. change and of directions, shooting. and shooting off the bounce. And that's the big thing for him, really. He could shoot no, off the catch great. last year. Now he's doing yep. it off the bounce. From mid-range, too. Not just from three. Yep. And while the Grizzlies have won these games, the hottest team in the NBA is not them, Kevin. No, it's not. <laughs> it is the Houston Rockets, <laughs> who lost 15 in a row and have now won seven in a row. You will never believe this. That's never happened. <laughs> a team that oh lost 15 games in a row has never turned around and won seven games in a row. And look, <laughs> I had I had my rant a few weeks ago after seeing them in person, thinking it was doing a colossal disservice to their guys and i will say as they always say sometimes you're an injury away from from being much better i mean it's the it's the serve two masters things right which is what is good for player development what is good for competitive basketball and can you get those things to align and one of my grand issues while there were some Rockets fans that were mad at me saying like, well, they're trying to see if my if Kevin Porter can play the one or play, you know, if, if Jalen Green can be the guy that initiates all because like, I was saying they didn't play with the point guard. Well, now, you know, they're playing Garrison Matthews, who's got some years in the league. They're Eric Gordon's playing like 30 something minutes a game. Like they are they they Jashawn Tate, who's been outstanding for oh, them. I love Tate. Is in the lineup. Like they have Guys that they can play in order to make them competitive. And so this, to me, this is the path. You're still not going to be that good. But if you can instill some confidence in those guys, if you can, on a regular basis, be in-game, play competitive basketball against teams, while you can't serve two masters like that, you still can. Now, Jalen Green has been out, right? But they have these guys. You also are probably doing a lot towards increasing the Gordon trade value, who was a complete non-asset. You know, they they it screwed him up last year because he got hurt right before the trade deadline. And so you know they were going to move him, and he had some value. And now he's playing well and has some value for a team out there, right? That's somebody that's going to be looking for a two-guard. Um that would be able to take it on. Eric Gordon still got basketball left in him, but for the meantime, you know, Christian Wood has exploded. They've gone less with the too big thing, and they played some guys on that team that can play, and those guys are getting minutes, and you're always going to be the team this year, especially given last year, that another team comes in and says, We'll turn it on in the fourth quarter. Yeah. 
People did it to Oklahoma City a million times last year, and Oklahoma City was catching so many of those teams that they had to actively try not to win at the end of the season because they were, they were like, you know, teetering towards 500, for God's sakes. Now, I don't think Houston has any chance of that, but I do think just putting these guys in a competitive environment, having some success while winning some games does so much more for their development than just rolling them out there to give them 35 minutes while they're playing, you know, 30 minutes of garbage time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think for them also, when it comes to playing more competitive basketball, one of the things they're just simply doing more is one of the things that they're most efficient at, and that's just using Christian Wood as a screener. Um, before they won that first game of this win streak, Christian Wood was setting 20 picks per game, 20 on-ball screens per game. Uh, he was setting in the game since then, 39, 45, 36, nine in a nine-minute game when he got hurt early, 36, and then 27. So he's averaging well over 30 screens per game, nearing 40 screens per game. They've pretty much doubled the amount of time they're saying, hey, Christian Wood, you're a lob threat. You can pick pick and pop for threes. You can attack closeouts. You were one of the best screeners in all of basketball. We're going to do that more. So they've basically doubled it, and their offense has been significantly better. Christian Wood is looking more like the guy who was averaging over 20 points per game last season simply by having him do it more. So I think that's a part of it, and that's why, Chris, you were saying, like with John Wall, let them play. Let them play with Christian Wood because they can they can get even better results out of it by putting a point guard like him. But ultimately, right now, I mean, we kind of poke fun. I poke fun at uh, them starting Garrison Matthews over John Wall. Garrison Matthews has been pretty good for them. <laughs> the team that is the one that has impressed me the most, probably over the course of the past couple of weeks, because. You know, things like the the Rockets thing, the Grizzlies thing, like those things can come and go throughout the season. But when we're talking about the best teams, obviously we've got to watch the the Warriors play against the Suns and they, you know, evened that up against each other. But one thing that has happened maybe a little bit in the shadows is after what was kind of limping out of the gates, I think started six and eight or something, to me, Kevin, the Bucks look like the best team in the Eastern Conference. Oh, yeah, they do right they now. They finally got all their guys, and when they have had Giannis and they have had Middleton and they have had Holiday, they've been devastating. Devastating. You know, they get to do it for all, you know, they, they have that chemistry now with each other after being through it, after playing in the playoffs, after going to and winning the finals. Giannis. I think he had 27 and 27 minutes on his 27th birthday. (laughs) And you know, the most shocking thing of that, when you sit there and you, you take into consideration that he's 27 years old and getting better every year. I mean, that is, it's, it's almost implausible to think of him as a 27 year old to me. Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, like what he's done already, winning a finals yes. MVP, two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, given all that. And, and the fact that DeMar DeRozan is at the peak of powers at 31. Yeah. What the F is this guy going to be? Like, the idea that we haven't seen the best of when he had 
maybe I think it was the either top one or two PER seasons. These last two seasons have been like two of the best in the history of the NBA. The idea that he could be even more effective than he has been, that we have not seen the best of him <laughs> is frightening. Yeah. Downright frightening. Like that this, what we've already seen might not be what he is capable of. He had 50 in a closeout game in the finals. <laughs> Like that's your that's typically everybody's apex, right? I mean, I mean but I know it, it, the age is twenty seven is usually when guys start to hit their primes. He he is quite clearly the best player in the NBA. Yes, right now. I mean, I mean, like it, it's it's quite clear, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, I'd say for a little while there was an argument about who it was. I'd yeah, there, say him and him and Durant and Jokic. And Curry. Yeah. It's kind of those four right now that are, I think, probably a step above everybody else. Is there any chance LeBron can play himself back into that? Do you think LeBron still has that gear in him during the regular season or during the playoffs? Like, like this is regular season basketball. LeBron's in coast mode. Do you think LeBron still has that gear in him to be like, yeah, no, actually, I'm I'm the best player, not just on a single night, but period. I'm just still just the best player. I think that, how do I say this? I think that in one-offs. Like one night, LeBron, like LeBron could be the best player on a given night, but he's I, not the best what, player over the course of a I, year. That's what I say the difference is. In one-offs, absolutely. There will be those nights, he'll have a 36, 12, and 12, and everybody will be like, see, the difference is the Giannis's and the Curry's and the Durant's of the world, they can do it the whole time. So d- when you ask me in these, yes, for a game, maybe even a series, you know, possibly, could you be the best player? What people, you know, can he have that gear? Of course, right? I'm, I'm, I will never doubt oh, yeah. that being possible. On the other hand, the consistency of greatness is now something that is, that's for the younger guys, to me. You know what I mean? I mean and that's how he but, was. That's how he was for 15 years, and, and for by, God's by sake. By the way, some of those younger guys are still pretty old. <laughs> you know, Dur- Durant is 33. Uh, right. You know, so it's not like these, those other guys we're talking about are all super young. Yeah. Jokic and Giannis are. I mean, what is Jokic? Jokic is 26 years old? Yeah, 26. Yeah. So he's really young, too. And Jokic, Jokic, another guy. He wins an MVP last season, and he comes back even better on the defensive end of the court. I mean, for like what was it, two years ago, people were still talking about, oh, well, Jokic is a great offensive player, but defensively, he's a liability on your team. Last year, he becomes a good defensive player, quite clearly. This year, he is in conversation for all defensive teams' second spot. I'm not well, sure how I end up getting it, but he's at least on the list of guys who are deserve consideration for one of the 10 spots in those teams. And I would just say this. In the series between those guys that we mentioned and him, I would be surprised if he was the best player on the floor for the course of a series. Yo, That's how you're I saying. Process. No, no, no. LeBron. LeBron. Ah, yes. Over the course of a full series. Over the course of a series, I would be surprised if he is the best player on the floor in a series that included Giannis. See, that? That's, I would be surprised. That's I a would change, be surprised. 
I'd be surprised if he's the best player in the series that includes Curry. That's a change, Chris. That's a shift. Yes. That's a yes. that's a massive shift. If that's something that you and many, many people Yeah, do I rush. have the best player on the floor? Do I have the best player on the floor in this well, series? I mean, going into a series, would you rather have Giannis or LeBron? You'd rather have Giannis right now. Would you rather have Curry or LeBron? You'd rather have Curry right now. And uh, I mean, so that's all we're saying, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And but but we are saying that. And what does that mean for the Lakers? What does that mean for them? They're twelve and twelve right now. They've been pretty. Good. I mean, yeah. I mean, they've been pretty good with LeBron when he's been healthy. Um, yeah. but he hasn't, you know, played the whole time. He had the COVID thing and all that. Um, like, what does that mean for them? You said you you yourself said earlier that Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, clear three. The Lakers, what moves can they make? They don't have many assets in terms of picks or players. Are they just a cut below? All these other teams in the West right now, do they have their one year winning the finals and that's it? Or or is there something the Lakers can do to get back onto that level? Because this wasn't supposed to be the way it feels at the moment. At the moment, it doesn't feel like they're on the level of the Warriors, Suns, or Jazz. Is there anything... The thing that's disturbing to me about their trajectory is I think for a lot of these teams that have been put together, you you say, look, just give it time. It's going to take a while. They're not used to playing with each other. When it gels, it's going to be devastating. This was the lesson of the Heat many, many years ago, right? I just don't see those guys falling into roles in that way. I have a hard time believing that it's all going to come together and they're going to be devastating mm. for a run like that Heat team was once upon a time many years ago because those guys kind of fell into, Wade fell into his role, Bosch fell into his role, and then the role players that were around them that never particularly got credit, like, they had really good role players yeah. around them on those Miami teams. Those role players, A, they're not necessarily role players on that Lakers team. And it's just hard to see AD and Westbrook falling into roles around LeBron in the same way. Now, saying that, in the end, we know it's a talent league. And if you have a healthy LeBron and you have a healthy Davis, going into the playoffs. Again, as I said, I I would rather have those individual players, but as a tandem, LeBron and Davis are the best. I'm sorry. They're the best tandem. Now, I don't know how Westbrook fits into that, but in terms of if you if you gave me any two guys to go into a playoff series with, any like, if you said, forget the one guy, give me two guys, and I could go into the playoffs, I'd still take them. If they're both healthy, I'd take them. Over any duo, I would take them going in, again, just for the playoffs. I'm not talking about a regular season when most of the time they don't give a crap. Even over CP3 and Booker, even over yes. Gobert and Mitchell, even, yes. even over Steph and 100% Clay. Yes. Even over uh, Paul George and Kawhi, Le- and Kawhi Leonard returns and he's fully healthy. Any of them. Any of them. Even now, you'd take AD and LeBron yes. over all of those yes. duos. They're hmm. not the problem. The problem's the rest of it. They it's effed the else. whole thing up. They effed it up. They really did. 
the Caruso thing, the moving, uh, you know, they had some trade assets and they moved it for Westbrook, who was never, I mean, anybody that thought that was an ideal fit, that's one of those like, here's the talent, now figure it out. Yeah. Things. I mean, I mean we, we even talked about our, that, how the regular season yeah. was about getting it to work. And, yeah. ma- and maybe that's still what it is. It still could be that. I mean, I, I don't. I think it's important not to lose sight of that. That we like literally in early October we're saying, "Oh, the regular season for the Lakers is about figuring out how but how they, to get things to work thing. with Russ and AD and LeBron." This is what they were, though, Kevin. They were amazing defensively, and now they stink. That's the difference. And you say they that, were they were the number one defense. You're saying part it's everything else, but is AD also not? Defensive player of the year caliber in AD right now. I don't think he's the same level at the moment. LeBron at the moment, like last year, LeBron, again, he was in the big pile of guys who were like, okay, I'll I'll consider him for one of the forward spots on an all-defensive team. Like LeBron was in that conversation. Very good. I don't feel like either of those guys are defending at the same caliber as we've seen them do in the past either. Well, they're not going to during the regular season. And it might be coast mode. From, yeah, from the is. two most important defensive players. Yes. But also, like you said, losing all the other guys that you did from Kuzma to Caruso, that undoubtedly makes a massive difference. Because defense, defense is more than one or two people. It's five people. There's every once in a while, though, where you see both of them totally locked in. I'll be interested to see if there's a game tonight. They're actually they're playing the Celtics. Yeah. And so there are the flashes when you watch them every once in a while when they're totally locked in. For like a five-minute span. And I'm talking, even if you just got those two guys totally locked in, it's a massive problem. They're both just so big, and they're both and they're on both levels. You know, LeBron in the playoffs defends in a way that he does not defend during the regular season. You know, Except he sometimes. plays with that. Like last year and the year before, he had some really good moments on defense. Yes, and he can be pretty devastating as a defender when he wants to. Yeah, you know, and so that's all I'm saying. But that, it, but I don't, I don't trust the ancillary parts anymore. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I think the the last win the Lakers had against the Kings, 80, 80 second half on defense, he looked like Anthony Davis, the guy who's in Defensive Player of the Year conversations, and so that was one of those moments where you see him defending Sacramento all over the floor, um, where you're reminded of. Oh, this is no, what AD can be on I'm both saying. ends of the court where he's they putting are. up 25 points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks, not turning the ball over, scoring with efficiency, and dominating on defense. He still they has it in him. They are capable of yes, it. Yes, they There's are. There's no question. It's just hard when it's Avery Bradley and Carmelo Anthony and Bobo Malone or whoever they put out Bobo there. Bobo Malone. Know? I'm a big fan <laughs> of him. I got, I got his uh, yeah. rookie year card. Holographic, actually, Chris. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Oh, hold up. Smell test. 
Go ahead, sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. (sighs) Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... (sighs) Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. The Shams and Sam Amick story about Dame. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So you had done the void last week uh, on this particular topic and about, and now we have seen as Dame's been out with the abdomen thing, McCollum uh, has been a little banged up and Portland's dropping games. Then the news came down Friday, right after we recorded that the Neil Oshie thing was over um, and that they were getting rid of him. And, you know, you have these topics about this, which is basically it gets leaked out. Oh, Dame would like to be in Portland, but obviously he wants to have a chance to win a title. He has absolutely no chance of winning a title with the roster that they've got. So he's open to guys, you know, being moved and he'd like to play with Ben Simmons. Okay. Like it's all, it's all. Uh, so we know that they had talked prior about a Simmons McCollum framework. Okay. Here is the big thing, though. Like, how fast are is the Allen family, Jody Allen, going to go and get somebody to run this organization? You know, not on an interim basis, but the hiring and then implementation, because nothing can happen until that happens, right? And there's been some names that have come out, but I would imagine you got to do that quickly. Yeah, because they are in the middle of it. You got your star saying it doesn't, and you read it. It's like it doesn't sound like it. Dame doesn't want to leave Portland because otherwise you would just have it printed out. He's done. He's tired of Portland. He doesn't he want to leave. He wants no. To he stay. wants to be there with better players around yeah. him. You know that's the kind of the pressure being put on, right? Yeah, and exactly. You think we're just hurtling towards what felt. As a logical trade over a year ago, which is some type of framework with Simmons and McCollum involved. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that's going to play out. Daryl Morey still wants Damian Millard. Um, How does that that play out? I I, I don't know. Um, How much does he really want CJ McCollum? Uh, when you get Seth Curry playing at a high level, and McCollum's a better player, to be clear. I feel like McCollum, through all of this, has been a little bit underrated in some ways. This, this is a guy who can get you a bucket in a playoff series in a late fourth quarter when defenses are locking in. He's proven that. Like against Denver yeah. when he won the damn series? Exactly. Time and time again, McCollum has proven he can give you that. Seth Curry yeah. is not. I mean, it's a different level in terms of the on-ball scoring ability. Seth Curry and McCollum could be actually quite fun to watch together if that were to happen. Well, you could go watch old. You could go watch old Portland tapes if you want. Yeah, you could. Yeah, (laughs) 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 that that didn't last long, unfortunately. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense on paper for both sides, Chris. I do. I mean, I I don't want to beat a dead horse with Ben Simmons in Portland here, but I think he could play the Draymond role. Just put that aside here on the Philly side. McCollum has never played with a big like Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid has never played with a perimeter scorer like C.J. McCollum. 
And Embiid has some flaws in terms of a screen and roller. He doesn't roll hard. He's not necessarily a lob threat like some of the traditional seven-footers. But it'd be nice to see him with a guard who can actually run that at the level McCollum can. So I get excited about the potential of that in Philadelphia. Um, but for them, they st- they for now, there's no reason to rush into making a deal because of McCollum's flaws that everybody's been talking about recently. Maybe he- there is, though, Kev, because as we just talked about, the margin is going to be so small. And you're basically a 500 team who just had your best player go for a season high and you won by three against a Charlotte team with nobody. And for Portland, they're they're falling apart. They've lost three games in a row, six of their last seven. Dame, so there Dame, is, there that, is actually on both sides to me sure. of significant pressure. You, 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 could, you could say that, yeah. You could really, look, if you're Philly, you could really screw this thing up to where you have to face Milwaukee in the first or second round, you know? I mean, or I, you have I to would, face one of these, one of these bear teams at the in the first round because you played you know a quarter to a, a third of the season at five hundred, you know. Yeah. Uh, I would just say this though, Chris. When it comes to that pressure, it it feels like pressure in the moment right now. But in reality, Philadelphia, despite the fact that Bede's missed time, is still only three and a half games back from the Nets for the number one seed in the East. The, it is so close and so compact between all of those teams in the Eastern Conference that I, I'm not sure that pressure really exists. Because there's 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 a lot of basketball left to be played this season. You, Chris, watch you, them, you though, could Kim. still wait till February. You still they're could. Not, they're not elite in their current state. Yeah, though. yeah, I know they're not. They're elite not. In their current they're state. not a they're home not. court advantage team. If they if they just played this out with this roster, they would not be a home court advantage team. Oh yeah, I mean they might not be. I, I I think that's very fair. But I'm just saying between now and February. There's still a lot of games to be left to be played even after February where you can make up some ground if you do wait till then. So the pressure is definitely increasing, but I, I still don't feel it's at a point where Philly needs to throw themselves into a deal unless it's to a point that, you know, it's you, you can't say no. Well, it feels like say, you know, Portland's at the center of so much of this. It's going to be really funny when the Simmons deal happens elsewhere. And we've been talking about a Portland-Philly deal forever. Yeah. And we don't even, like, again, we still don't even know who is who is going to run Portland and then what their ideas are you know that everything on that roster is Neil O'Shea's roster that's 10 years you know <laughs> and he put that yeah. whole thing together you hire somebody especially if you hire somebody from outside they get their own ideas about Portland and that roster and they're going to want to change they it want up. to do with it you know, I mean, oh, inevitably, everything, everything has already changed with Portland. Paul Allen passes away three years ago. His sister, Jody Allen, takes over. Uh, Neil O'Shea, who ran the team for 10 years, um, is getting replaced. McGowan, their former, you know, CEO on the business side, he steps down during this investigation. Terry Stott, longtime coach, gets changed for Chauncey, Chauncey Billups. The only thing that hasn't changed is the core of the roster. And you can look at what Jody Allen and Burt Cold, uh, their vice chair, is doing with the Seattle Seahawks right now. There's reports this week about maybe changing the front office in Seattle. Pete Carroll's time could be nearing an end there. The Seahawks have their own disgruntled star in Russell Wilson who flirted with demanding a trade this offseason. Maybe there could be changes in order to that front office, to that coaching staff, 
to that roster with their other professional sports team in the Seattle Seahawks. So there's a report this week from NFL Network that Jody Allen is very involved with what the Seahawks are going to be doing. We haven't gotten that reporting with her involvement in what's happening with Portland. To my understanding, the, the person underneath her, Burt Cold, is taking on a lot of those kind of responsibilities of running things there. Um, so we'll, we'll see how things play out here. I, I think you nailed it, though, Chris, when you said they get to find whoever it is that's going to run this organization, run the front office, they get to find that person fast. Whether it's Cronin and Cold and this collective of, of the front office of a past regime kind of working together to build something new, or whether it's bringing in someone externally, they got to find that person fast and figure this out because th- there's the two paths. I talked about this with Bill on Sunday's pod. You can go down a blow it up route, trade Dame, and go down that path. You can go down the path of let's do everything we can to build around this guy. And they should go down that let's do everything to build around Dame path. It's just a matter of what moves are actually going to be there um, for McCollum when there's not a lot. There's not a lot. Well, and just two things uh, more on the Neil Oshie thing, which we did not get to talk about uh, last week. Number one, if you ha- if you're having the guy investigated and you knew this was, you know, if, if you're there at the organization, you know this is coming down the pike. That's why this not being a very quick turnaround is surprising to me. Now, maybe inevitably our luck is that it'll get announced who's running the Portland Trailblazers as soon as we get done recording this <laughs> podcast. So let me just say that in advance. But you've known. I mean, you, you, you were doing this, and theoretically, you had somebody investigate this. You got the study. You found out, okay, are we going to be able to fire this guy uh, and not pay him without uh, a huge lawsuit that we'll lose? That's the way this stuff goes. And so you've known for a long time that you didn't want this guy running the organization. You brought somebody in hoping to find you know, nefarious things about him, which you did. You should have had whoever you're going to have running the place lined up. Unless they do. Honestly. Unless they do, Chris. What if it's just Joe Cronin and Burt Cold? I don't know. Come on. Could be. There's already There was already names that had come out. Yeah. Tayshawn Prince may, came out. Names, come, like names other... come out all the time. Agents agents for, for coaches and executives text you all the time like, hey, oh, yeah, my guy's a candidate for so-and-so. And, and like, sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> a and lot maybe, of those names come out. And, and they probably will be interviewed, and maybe they can be know, candidates. Man. But may, me, may, maybe, their, maybe their favorite is Joe Cronin. He could know, be the man, favorite. They, they want a clean house. Wouldn't you think they want a clean house? They got rid of the president. Now they got rid of the GM. What do you still want? Like, you just want to start anew. That's what they I would think. They didn't clean any of everything, though. They still got Burt. The Burt Cold is there from 1988. He was college roommates with Paul Allen. They ran, they ran the Blazers together. They ran the Seahawks together. They ran Vulcan, Paul Allen's company together. And now he's taking like a prominent role underneath Jody Allen, helping steer this ship here. So, not everything's gone. Yeah, right. not everything's gone. And, and may, maybe maybe they like Joe Cronin. I mean, I, I don't know a thing about him. I don't know anything about him in terms of if he's actually good at a talent evaluator, how he runs a front office, how he is with people. I don't know anything about Joe Cronin. Um, but maybe they like Joe Cronin. And they'll probably do their due diligence interviewing around, but maybe they do already have their guy and we just don't know it yet. And let me just speak on this because it was something that I, uh, I had forgotten to mention that I did get a call about a few weeks ago from somebody that was listening to the podcast uh, that's involved in the NBA. 
that said, um, I had mentioned about the whole, the, you remember that story came out, I think Woj reported about basically the GMs putting together, it's not a union, but a collection, like somebody to represent association them or whatever. in order to, you know, protect themselves from being investigated from yeah. outside sources, getting fired without having to get paid off. And someone called me and said, hey, man, let me just give you a heads up. This is getting publicized because Neil wants that out there. Like that this is being thrown together now because he's being done wrong. But this has been in talks for a long time from everybody. This is not something that's come about because of your situation. Too, yeah. This came about because of the Dennis Lindsay situation. And I was like, oh. And so it was kind of like all under wraps. All the, you know, the management guys had all been talking about this for a long time, but then it became almost like a news story as like, oh yeah, well, the GMs are now forming this thing to get protection of each other. But that had been in talks because, I don't know, it's, it sounded to me as if some within the NBA were a little resentful of the whole, oh, now this, now everybody needs to know about this because Neil wants everybody to feel like he's being done wrong. This all started when everybody got freaked out by the Dennis Lindsay stuff, which was a he said, she said, or he said, he said, in that case, you know situation where a guy was trying to, you know, bury Dennis, right, at the time. Um, and so uh, by saying he said horrible, horrible things. Um, and so anyways, I just, wanted, I, I, I just wanted to mention that because it was something that we talked about on the show as a, hey, here's something that management guys are doing because they really don't have protection from uh, or representation as everybody else in the NBA does, you know. Yeah, um, is, uh, the coaches. Did, the coaches have a guy, and the and the and the players have a guy, but the GMs don't really have a guy. Question for you, Chris: Dude, is yeah. uh, is Dennis Lindsay a Warren Legary guy? You know, I don't know. Yeah, Warren Legary, for listeners who don't know, is the guy who runs the Las Vegas Summer League for many, many yeah. years, and he's a like a super agent of a ton of coaches and executives across the league. Oh, tons, inclu including Olshay. I don't know, but he yeah. There was a, there was a time where Warren represented an insane amount of guys. Yeah, Warren Legary has a lot of power. Yeah, he, he's he's like one of one of the names. Um, he runs summer league. You know, he goes around yep. shaking hands and all that. But <laughs> Warren Legary yep. is a powerful guy in the NBA universe. No question. Last thing: Steph Curry is now sixteen off of <laughs> Ray Allen's record. For career three-pointers. He said 16 in a game is not out of the question. <laughs> you know how bad he wants to break that record because Clay holds it. So for those that are unaware, and I don't think it's a very, you know, well-known record, the most threes anyone's ever hit in a game is 14, and that's Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson also, interestingly, holds the... Uh, uh, the, the most threes in a playoff game, which is 11. But for years and years and years, I think the number was 12, and that was Danielle Marshall and Kobe Bryant, okay? And now it was 13 with Curry and Levine 
has actually hit 13 threes. But number one is Clay. 14. 14. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so what would be more unbelievable? <laughs> that would be the best record-breaking performance that you could possibly have, right? That, that to me, would be up there with years ago, uh, Wayne Gretzky was a huge thing to score 50 goals in 50 games. Wayne Gretzky, in the 39th game of the season, scored five goals <laughs> to get to 50, Yeah, right? So he did 50 goals in 39 games. No one will ever touch that. Guys don't even score 50 goals in a year anymore, for the most part, in the NHL. But he did 50 in 39 games. If Curry broke his buddy's record, you know that burned him up, that Clay Thompson has the record for most three-pointers in a game by one. <laughs> All right. And, and, he's got a, and he's got a home game here, Chris, Wednesday night against Portland. Well, you know, until that, he hit seven last night. But before that, based on his pace this season, how many he had hit a game, he was on pace to break that record in Madison Square Garden. Mm. Now, that probably got screwed up yeah, by a that, minute seven last happening. night. It could, it, could, it could happen, though, Chris, if... If he doesn't play the Indiana game next Monday. So they, they have Portland on ESPN Wednesday night, Philadelphia on Saturday on ABC, Indiana on Monday on NBA TV, and then Tuesday in Madison Square Garden on TNT, and then Friday in Boston on ESPN. So their next five games are all on national TV or NBA TV. Right. And, and they're all on the road except for this first one against Portland. They're all on the here's road. The, here's the question. What is the most you could fathom him having in a game. I mean, I 20? could. Yeah, I could fathom him having 20, Chris. That'd be 60 I points. Yeah, I could fathom Steph Curry hitting 23s. Of course I could. How could you not fathom that? He's Steph Curry. Well, where does it cut off? Come on. I mean, look. I, th- I, think, I think around 20 is where it cuts off. I think around 20. But if you went into a game and say, hey, guess what? Tonight, we're going to get Steph every shot. We're going to go for Kobe's 81. <laughs> if that was the game plan, like, I'm serious. If that was the game plan, it's like it's, it's like you watch professional Warzone streamers. When they play Warzone, sometimes yep. they do tasks. They don't go for a traditional win. They'd be like, we're going to use the sniper all game. We're going to use the riot shield all game. They do something for fun, for strategy reasons. The Warriors could go into a game and say... We're getting Steph 33 point attempts this game. <laughs> it's only right, one so, of 82. All right, so I didn't I didn't I didn't look. Who is there? That's fun. Who's, I'd love to do who, that. Who's this who's this next game? It is Who do they put versus Portland so they're at home at Chase Center, Portland. And, and I'll tell you what, Chris. With Port- no with no with no McCollum, no Lillard? Well, Portland's defense stinks, but the type of defense they play with blitzing and showing, it's meant to get the ball out of Steph Curry's hands. So they're going to be doing what they can to force it out of Steph's hands hmm. with traps. All right, hold on. Let me see who is, in terms of uh, opponent three-pointers, I just want to see real quick before we get out of here. Opponent three-pointers made per game, right, uh, this season. The most, it appears to be, is Oklahoma City at 14. 29th is Portland <laughs> at 14, 13.9. Mm. 
They yep. have the second most three-pointers made against them this season. Yeah, and it's a, a lot of corner threes with their style. Um, but like a lot, they do let up a lot of three-pointers because oh, they, they get so it's this like may- if Steph gets it, it'll be he gets trapped, throws an outlet, relocates. Gets himself open. Warriors find him again. It's, it'll be a lot of those types of threes if it did happen against them. There would be nothing better than him hitting 17 to break Ray Allen's record. <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah, that that would be He's gr- 16 that would be, short. That would be Gretzky esque. I, I like I liked you bringing that up. Yeah, it would be 17. Gretzky esque. 17 threes in one yeah. game, and he shatters Clay's mark of 14 in the game. Did you ever play uh, Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey back in the no. 90s? Uh, okay, yeah. it, was, it was probably the first hockey video game that I ever played. It came out, I looked this up just now, in 1996, Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey came out. That, that was my first exposure to playing a hockey video game. Just curious. Yeah, no, no. At, I at, your, know, at I, your age range, I figured maybe I, you might have played Well, no, that. I know about all that stuff because, A... Um, I grew up playing hockey, so I had all these like hockey VHS tapes, and one of them was called The Great One, and it was just a Wayne Gretzky video. Okay. I watched oh, yeah. it a hundred I watched it a hundred thousand times. And the other thing is when I was he, he played the year for the blues. Um, of which my father took me to all the games. And so, you know, then that year that he came over and he played for the blues, then I became hardcore into Gretzky and Gretzky history. You know, because he was on the team. You know. Uh, Heck of a player. I don't know much about hockey. Uh, I feel like hockey is my weakest sport. Has been my whole life. He is, let me just say this, he is by a wide margin the, quote, goat that is least talked about. It's not even close. At least in in the United States. Kevin, they, look, he, so, you know, in, in hockey they have points, right? Which is goals and assists. Yep, yep. Okay? And that equals points. You could take away all of Wayne Gretzky's goals and he would have the most points in, NBA, in NHL history. <laughs> That's wild. If you took away the goals. That's wild. I believe that's still true. I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to go look. But that was true. Like, it was true my whole life. It was like the record that will never be broken, right? Like, uh, because he had, you got, you know, you got points for, you got points for goals and you got points for assists. And I remember it being that if he if he never had scored a goal, he would still have more points than anyone in NHL history. All right, he has a thousand more points <laughs> than the second place guy who is Yarmir Yager. He is twenty eight hundred and Fifty-seven. Is Yager still playing? Is he like sixty now? Still playing? And Yager <laughs> and Yager has nineteen hundred and twenty-one. You got a little hockey on this show today. There y- you go. Yager's forty-nine years old. Okay, so he retired uh, in 2017-18. That was his last season. Unbelievable. Is there anybody like are there hockey fans nowadays, Chris? Like, like we have NBA fans who argue LeBron over Michael Jordan, and people were oh, I don't arguing, know. people were arguing that when LeBron was was in his twenties back in the no late two thousands. Is there anybody saying like Connor McDavid could be better than Gretzky? Is that a is that a thing at all? Does anybody say that? Isn't he the best player in hockey right now? I don't. Th- I think it is. I would ima- I cannot speak to this because I don't know about the hockey conversations that are going on now. But I would say that's insane. It's it. I, I'm just, I think I'm just, it's un- okay. So so you no. Not, like, I think it's on. Un- so you're I not think totally it's plugged into that then right now. Okay. No, yeah, but I think All it's right. unchallenged. Okay. 
I mean, come on, bro. If there are any hardcore hockey fans listening to the mismatch, uh, just in, in, the, in the if you're if you're a hardcore Yo. hockey fan listening to our pod after an hour still right now, and you're listening to us, tweet at us. I want to know yeah, are there, look, are, there any, are there any players like right now? Because Austin Matthews is another name that I know. I don't know yeah. very many names, but are there any players that people are like, oh, he could become the goat, bro? You just told me the Yarmir Yager is forty nine. <laughs> And retired in 17, okay? So that's four years ago. So he's 45 years old, all right? And he, so he played until he was 45 <laughs> freaking years old and is a thousand points. A thousand. A thousand points behind number one. And he's, he's number two. He's a great player. And he Great played player. until he was 45 freaking years old. <laughs> and he's a thousand points short. Bro, I don't think there's those discussions going on. <laughs> just curious. VR. I'm just I'm just trying to learn. I mean, <laughs> imagine if Kareem Abdul Jabbar had 50,000 points. You see, uh, you see Kareem. And like second place was Carl Malone. You see Kareem, he's doing YouTube videos now. Kareem's a hell of a writer, but now he's doing YouTube videos. And and he criticized LeBron for doing the big balls dance. He's goats like, he's like go goats don't dance. He's like, for me, winning was enough. Damn. <laughs> I thought it was just funny. I li- I love Kareem. He he's he's a Did hell he of a writer. Did he get the uh, the old man yelling at the clouds gif or something uh, for that he, one? I mean, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people responded to him with In that. In my day, Barry Sanders just handed the ball to the referee. <laughs> 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 all right That's so good let's go do it for today's show uh kevin you got a podcast coming up this week yeah so uh every wednesday uh we're going to be doing a void version of the podcast uh so the void video series that we've been doing on the ringers youtube page for over a year now um we're going to be doing a podcast version of it on this podcast feed chris on one of our off days on wednesday the Void podcast is going to be running. Uh, get a great conversation tomorrow uh, that focuses a lot on the Phoenix Suns, talk about the Cavs a little bit, talk about the Wolves and some other teams too. Um, but that's coming out on the off day tomorrow. We're basically like you and I, Chris, we do a lot of we do a lot of deep dives. We do news of the day, games that happened the night before, big overarching themes. This this pod is going to focus more on like some specific teams or specific players and topics or thoughts um, and get a little deeper on that. So um, it's running on the mismatch meet on Wednesdays. That's what the ringer's having us do. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm fired up about it. It'll be good. And Chris, you people can still hear you every Monday talking yeah. NFL and gambling with Warren Sharp. So what does that mean? Four, four days a week. Yeah, we got a lot of, in your head. We, we filled up a lot of days uh, tomorrow. So for the first time, keep a lookout on the mismatch feed. You are you've been trained to look for a pod on Tuesdays and Fridays. Look for one tomorrow. It will be up uh, on the feed tomorrow. Uh, Kevin's new edition of The Void. Thank you to our producer, Jesse Lopez. As always, Kevin, I'll talk to you on Friday. Looking forward to it.